Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, <laughs> identity, Ooh. culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Fruit for thought, capturing hearts and minds one gummy blast at a time. Gummy <laughs> blast. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. god. We truly do love gummies oh, on the show. God. Do we? I well, do like, at least two of us do. I feel like I, I don't like it. I just like introducing it into the media. <laughs> and I also just like, Joe is one of those things, one of those testing grounds where I'll just like say something over and over again until he absorbs it. That is fully that true. Is yes. always, 100% always. true. Is that what the girls are doing exactly. now, Tommy? Is that with, is the girls with, are doing now? I'm going to fuck around in blank. Uh, the girls are blank. Uh, cummies. Joe is like a sponge. Oh, wow. Those are like all, all of my of favorite trash. tweets. It's true. But then also like a sponge just like leads crappy water whatever you know what I mean like metaphorical crappy oh, water you have to microwave me once a week for three minutes on high oh, to sanitize me gotcha Fran's face right now is so disgusting so many things about that metaphor that I not enjoy <laughs> <laughs> we oh. haven't replaced our sponge in a very long time <laughs> oh my god <laughs> microwave me dad oh, I am Tommy Deep Spico an indigenous American poet screenwriter single and actively mingling and the sheer amount of condescension I've received from my co-hosts and our producer over having new clothes in 2020 is really exhausting. Honestly, you do have a lot of new clothes. So many new clothes. The glow up has been really nice. Okay, we don't have to. You, you don't have to be condescending. You right love now. the color <laughs> olive green, don't you? It's a chartreuse. <laughs> oh my god! So I'm a writer. I'm an editor. And uh, speaking of glow up, this year I have now a. Eight step skincare routine. Oh god! I'm very happy about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, I got that glow shit. It came oh, in from Amazon. What's it called? It? Vitamin C something. Yes, right there? Uh, CEO glow oil by Sunday Riley. It makes me feel so luxurious. Oh, oh wow! It's very nice. It's very nice. Um, I'm Dennis Norris the second, and I'm a reader and a writer, a lapsed violist, and um. At college this one time, I met my best friend's like 90, 90 years old great grandma, and I told her, I really love your lime, jean, jean, lime green jacket. And she was like, Dear, it's chartreuse. Oh, Because wow. we know. That's super gay. The chartreuses know. We know. Y'all know. know. The chartreuses and the maroons and the marigolds, mm-hmm. we know. Mm-hmm. The I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and my skincare regime is only one step, but it takes like 20 minutes and it's the cummies. No. It's the cummies. No, 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 no. <laughs> it moisturizes oh. high in protein. Yummy, yummy, yummy. No, isn't, like it just, tummy. isn't it just sugar? That's no, no, just going to no. clog your it's, pores. It's just sugar. It's debut single, though. Yes, it is. Yummy, <laughs> yummy, 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 yummy. I got cummies in my tummy. That's going to be the theme song of my sitcom. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait, we're, what is So you said ready. it's low in sugar, but it's, it's High mostly in protein. Protein, protein oh, and lipid, okay. yeah. So, like, uh, uh, Joe had been talking about, like, 
uh, do I get protein? Because I'm on this new sort of not a we're not calling it a diet. What we're calling it is like Eating a healthy. revamp. I'm trying to yes, a revamp. I'm, I'm trying to eat more fruits and vegetables because I have, according to my doctor, high blood pressure. But the, I mean, Tommy, mm. the first step is being able to identify a fruit and or vegetable. <laughs> so I'm right here. I am sitting right here. I am visible. And so Joe is fruit, like, I, I, exactly. <laughs> and so I, was like, I think that's an accurate. <laughs> Yeah. So I was telling Joe, like, what, you know, the things I'm regularly eating. And he's like, well, is there any protein in that? And now we know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the cummies. The cummies are the protein. You. Uh, Dennis, will you tell us what we have on the menu this evening? You guys, for tonight's episode, we get down in the kitchen. Um, this trash-ass murder of thoughts takes your fate into our sticky fingers. For our main discussion, oh, the call comes from inside the house. Mm. And for dessert, we're a work in progress. Yeah. yeah. Take it away. Time we start the top of the show the way any good top should. A little tease our uproarious appetizer segment amuse Boosh yes. and to amuse our Booshes. Joe has a game. Yeah, so you know, we like to do an X or Y game, and X is always something dumb, and Y is always sex toys because sex toys have hilarious names and they great really product descriptions. So this uh, iteration of this game is kitchen gadget mm. or sex mm. toy. Kitchen gadget. Or a sex toy. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Any kitchen gadget can also be used. I have a lot of kitchen gadgets, so I don't know if you're gonna school me. I just got a meat thermometer, and that's also is that a metaphor? Is that a metaphor? I think I have two meat thermometers, one for my butt and one for my chicken breasts. (laughs) Okay, here we go. The Rolly, and so some of them, it's like it's it's gonna be like the Rolly X, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll complete that to answer the question. The Rolly. Oh my god. Okay. Well, I. The Rolly is a kitchen gadget. Okay. Yes, it's for doughs. Uh, that's, I feel like that's called a rolling pin, so I'm going to say sex toy. It is a kitchen gadget, but it's an egg cooker. It's an electric egg cooker that makes tube-shaped omelets. Oh, gross. Mm. Yeah, Why? in the microwave. In the Rolly. For what? For like a breakfast burrito? Is or that a breakfast, thing? For exactly a breakfast burrito oh. friend. Oh. Yes, 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 That yes, sounds yes. like an ass scene on TV thing, which yes, is yes, not yes, classified yes. as useful for a kitchen. Okay, 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 okay. I could eat a horse. That's a name of either a kitchen gadget or a sex toy. Yeah, you're so good at the game. <laughs> <laughs> that is a kitchen gadget. I would say that it is a very, 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 very large dildo. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I am a little scared of it, but I'm going to go ahead and say that that's that's a sex toy. It is a pasta measurer. Yes, I win. That's two points for me. Horse. Yes, yes, yes. Two points for me. Okay. We're in the barbecue section now with Master Series Pigtail. Master Series Pigtail. I mean, that... Uh, I... Okay. Oh. I think that's a sex toy, because I, I do love a butt plug with a little pigtail on the end. Okay. So that's, like, okay. my favorite thing. And I think that's what it is. Okay. I've never had one. Tommy? I have seen them Fran, on Fran's, please do send them... Fans, send them to Fran. I will wear it yeah. and post it on my OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> Among all the uh, videos of me answering emails. <laughs> Wait, what's Wait, it called again? It is a Master Series... Pigtail. 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 The amount of times that I say it, it's not clear. <laughs> no. I'm going to say it's, uh, oof. I'm going to say it's 
A kitchen gadget that is vaguely related to pork. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Dennis. Yeah, I, I'm getting like George Foreman Grill-esque vibes from this. Master Series pigtail butt plug in pink. Wow. Send them to hog heaven oh with this God. sexy pigtail. This spiraled butt plug is perfect for stuffing up your little swine and is topped <laughs> with a curly tail. Yes, stuffing up your little swine. Audience, I knew it before Joe said it because he literally sat up at arched his back the minute he went into the explanation j and d's bacon dot 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 j and d's bacon dot 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 there's a dot 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 yeah a lot of them have a dot 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 so the last one was dot 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 and it was butt plug okay uh, it's the product uh, title this is j and d's bacon j and d's okay so it's like j and d's bacon maker and it's yeah. a kitchen I think it's a yeah. kitchen gadget. I think it's yeah, a kitchen yeah, yeah, gadget, yeah. too. J&D's bacon-flavored condoms. No! Uh, yes! Oh. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and, it, and it says... Bacon-flavored? No! Give a whole new meaning to the term porking when, <laughs> when <laughs> oh you my. fool around using the bacon condoms. So they disguise and protect your meat by wrapping it up with some tasty latex bacon that anyone would be crazy to turn down. That's you know, very upsetting. You know... <laughs> Actually, did you just get turned? I might. I would would try. Oh mm. my would try. goodness! No judgment. No would judgment. Try. No judgment. But you did. <laughs> uh, remember we were talking about uh, flavored condoms. You're like, I like the dick flavored. I do, but, but I also really is- like bacon. <laughs> I can't. That's the thing. okay. Okay. I'm okay. not judging you. I just think less of you. <laughs> <laughs> is Important a judgment distinction completely okay, fine okay. with that? Next up. Next up. The original never soggy. Dot. 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 Oh. Never soggy. What never gets soggy, Dennis? Uh, I think it's a sex toy. I, I mean, no, no, no. I think it's a kitchen gadget. I, I think, think it's, it's a kitchen, a kitchen gadget, 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 too. Teams. Like a sponge, like a maybe? never soggy biscuit? It's like about toast. Toast. Yeah, yeah. It's a it is, okay. Thing. It's about cereal. It is a cereal bowl where you oh. keep your cereal in one portion and your milk in the other, and you mix them bite by bite. That's stupid. That's it is fucking, fully wow. fucking dumb. Fully wow. idiotic. You just eat your cereal in four seconds like a normal person. <laughs> um, next up, next up, next up. Icicles, dot, dot, dot. Okay, well, this is leading me to believe that it's a kitchen gadget, so I'm going to say sex toy. Okay. And it's a, a very sharp dildo. Yeah, I I'm I think the exact same thing. I, I think, think it's a kitchen toy. gadget. I think it's a kitchen gadget. It's a bicycles number seventy six glass butt plug. Oh, yes! Each yes! fully hand-blown icicle glass wand is sleek. It is very sharp looking, unique, and made to play hard. Ooh. Run under corm- warm I water, chill it in cold water, or put it in the freezer for a cool sensation. Can you imagine putting a frozen thing in your butt? Like, oh fully? <laughs> Producer Alex I, is shaking is her head. Is it one of those, like, those cryo things where you like you lose 300 calories by being inside of it or whatever? <laughs> oh my god. Cryotherapy? Uh, and also, cryotherapy this, this, <laughs> this butt plug, this glass butt plug fully has a, a, a budding rose on the outside part, oh, so it's oh. like it's inside of you That's in a rose. Please slide into the DMs with one some listener somewhere. What about bear paws? Bear paws. I mean, this, they're that, they're oven mitts. I think I think that's a kitchen gadget. Mm, yeah, yeah. Kitchen they gadget. are a kitchen gadget, but they are a, po- a pulled pork 
um, shredder. Ooh, and they're wow. actually one that I found on a listicle for sex, uh, for kitchen gadgets that should be used instead as sex toys with like, you know, grabbing someone by the back and like kind of leaving those sexy marks on okay, the Okay, so that's like one oh, of the wow. things that I okay. want The Rock to do to me? Yeah. <laughs> you want The Rock <laughs> to shred you like, like pole, pole. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I love this one. Old 69 whiskey <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Oh, God. It's too sexual to actually be a sex toy. Old 69 whiskey. It's got to be a kitchen gadget. Whiskey, whiskey infusing something or other. Like, it'll do something to your, I don't know. Maple syrup or something. Oh, wow. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm leaning towards sex toy. I'm leaning towards sex toy. I am. Fran? I'm going to say kitchen gadget. Whiskey, old 69 whiskey dot 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 flavored lube. Whiskey. It says, it says, it's called, also calls itself whiskey dick. And it says, (laughs) this, this lube is aged four years in white oak casks and guarantees a velvety smooth finish. Whiskey disc, Mm. whiskey dick's distinct Tennessee taste won it a triple gold medal award at the 10th annual American Sex and Drinking Festival in Bean Station, Tennessee. Wow. Bean Station. <laughs> that is a lot of fucking information. <laughs> a yeah. lot of information. Oh, and there's more. And it won a quadruple gold medal at the Pan-European Schleimer Festival in East Berlin, Germany. <laughs> I would have absolutely I would have used before I was like of age. So I'd yeah. be like, more than whiskey, dick. <laughs> Why pe- that's such a terrible name for it. Because like, don't they say they call whiskey dick when you drink so much whiskey yeah you yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, you can't get hard true. but that's here true. you can make your hard dick taste like whiskey it contains no alcohol it contains oh, no alcohol. okay well that doesn't well, appeal that, to me that, that makes it far less appealing. next up good grips that get a good is, grip that is a kitchen gadget oh. i have one what is it it's a thing that sits at the edge of your saucepan uh and it holds utensils over um oh, there i will tell you there's more than one good grips oh no it is, is not there a that. sex toy? It is not that. There's a sex toy named Good Grips. I mean, Wait a minute. Your Good Grip, it holds utensils no, above I'm, a saucepan? Yeah, so if confused. you're stirring something and you don't have like a spoon rest, they're also like good. They, it's a brand. So they make like clips for yeah, your three, chip or, bags. Or, or maybe or like, a three in one avocado slicer. They make those. Yeah, that oh, is, make that's, what it, that's what it is. Okay. That's what it is. Okay. okay. I have one more for y'all. I have one more for y'all. Double headed reamer. Oh. Double-headed reamer. Please oh. tell me that's both. It's a garlic press or something. Ah! Garlic press doesn't have two heads. I don't know. I don't. But maybe there's one that could. I don't know. It presses something. Is it a mm. ball gag? What's going it's on? Both. It's both. I think both, too. It is a citrus juicer. Oh. with two. It's one side for orange and another side for lemons and limes. Oh, Love I've that. seen those. The double-headed reamer. I want to be reamed it by two heads. Sounds <laughs> It sounds so great. I also would fully use it as a double-ended dildo. It is long enough. It, yes, yes, yes. That you, sounds what would you horrifying. Not use as a double-ended <laughs> dildo, Joseph. You really have the sex drive of a seventh grader. <laughs> <laughs> Can we not put sex drive and seventh I was, grader in the same I was system? so excited when oh. my doctor prescribed me Lexapro and my doctor was like, well, it might decrease your sex drive. And I was like, oh, thank God. And then it fully did not. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Thank you for playing. Yay. <laughs> wow. And on that note. Cha-ching. Get out your coin purses, benches. It's time for Penny for Your Thoughts. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, so this is a segment wherein very, very trash people uh, try to give you advice that you should definitely not take. And these questions are sourced from our amazing tour that we did in early January. We went to a bunch of cities across America and we asked thoughts all over this country to ask us questions. And some of them we got to do, but not on air. And others we just didn't have time for. But they were such good questions that we wanted to take the time to answer them. Yes, we wanted to throw lips to this. Yes, yes, yes. So we have three today. The first is swipe right, swipe left. Clearly a fan. They know they know the format. Mm. <laughs> swipe right, swipe left, dating a therapist. I would love that personally. Really? Because then I don't have to pay for therapy. But we're you would, there would be a therapeutic quality to that person. And they might be they, I do feel like talking like dating a therapist would mean that you are dealing with someone that's probably a little more level headed than your average I agree Joe. With that. that is not, not to say that like therapists don't also need therapists because they, yeah, do. they do. But you know, there's also I have a friend who's dating a school therapist. So like, oh. but you know, but they ha- there's this thing, and I don't remember the term for it, but it's like burnout. It's like emotionally yep. emotional care burnout, <clears throat> yeah. and it's actually funny because my friend feels like really not as cared for as he could be in the relationship because specifically his partner spends all day literally. And like, holding- do they want to really come home? And do the same work that they've been doing all day. I don't know. I mean, Mm. yeah, sure. Why not? Because anybody can be six five. Because you want (laughs) right, right. This is also a particularly pointed question because Tommy wants to fuck his therapist. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to fuck my therapist. And we resolved it. But would I? You know, I have friends who are therapists and who are social workers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and I love them dearly. And I also know that it just feels like that there are pitfalls and ideals to dating anybody regardless of what job that they have yep, yep, and yep, yep. yeah like i said anybody could be six five so sure if they're yeah. six five i'll date a therapist yeah 100 yeah. yes yes I, I mean i i would be open to it in theory um i would just always go into every like contentious conversation with a little um with my guard probably up a little more to be honest mm-hmm. because i feel like they would be able to start therapizing me at any moment oh and, so is that a bad thing um, to be therapized you would feel red i it it might be. I don't know. Does it, is I it, don't know. Are you afraid of knowing and being known by others, Dennis? Okay, all right. My <laughs> Am mom... I a Sagittarius joke? <laughs> That's fair. My, fair point. Fair my point. mom was yes. a therapist, so I can relate to that. Um, so answer to your question yeah. is just treat them like literal human beings yeah. and decide yeah. based yeah, yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yes. yeah, yeah. That's a good advice, friend. Good advice. Very good advice. Uh, I actually love the next question. It's someone who clearly listens to our show uh, and is a native New Yorker. They say, at times, New York City seems to be a character in your podcast. Mm. And often the city is an antagonist or a source of ridicule. How do you think your role as transplants, because none of us are actually from New York, but we all have lived there. How do you think your role as transplants can play into this characterization of the city as sort of an antagonist? And how can you treat the city that you've chosen to live in with love, even while being consciously critical? I think hating the city that you live in, whether especially if it's New York or Los Angeles, is really more a meme than it is like an actual <laughs> thing that I feel, mm-hmm. right? Like we just saw that like New Yorker cartoon that was like, oh, I miss hating the city. Yeah. And, it's like, <laughs> and it's them sitting like in the countryside. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's like, that's very real. Like we yeah. we we as humans love to complain about stuff. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, you know? And um, I think that, you know, complaining about a city is no different than that. I fell in love with New York City. I think it's the center of the universe. Um, but mm-hmm. in the words of Angel Nafis, it just also happens to be 
be a literal garbage can. Yeah, 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 yeah. I also yeah. think they're like you have to um if you're in it for the long haul, it means you get to the point where you get there and you idealize the city. Yeah. Then you have to get to the point where you absolutely hate it. There is nothing good about it. You want to leave or some version of that where it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know how I'm going mm-hmm. to stay. Maybe it's yeah. I don't want to be, I don't know how I'm going to stay. And then you get to the point where you realize that like those are opposite sides of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, with yeah, New York yeah. in particular, like I will never love a city the way that I love New York. Yeah. I will also never hate a city quite the way I hate New York. Right. Yeah. But because of those two things, like, I, that's how I feel about y'all. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know, I want to keep those things close. And it's like one yeah. of the reasons why I'm not an Angelino and I don't see myself living in Los Angeles for the long haul is it does not bring I don't get the love. Like yeah. I don't I don't there's that there is there is definitely an amb- like a mm, not feeling you bro part of it, but like I mm-hmm. but but there's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't um it doesn't give me ambivalence in any way. Like the, I don't mm-hmm. get like the extreme love or the extreme hatred. Mm-hmm. I just get the kind of like, well, this is a place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really love this question because my bestie, Whitney, who everyone on the show knows, and my boyfriend are both native New Yorkers. And they're both very protective of their city. Sort of like, oh, it's like a family member to the you know how you can make fun of your mom, but as soon as anyone else makes fun of your like, mom, how you're dare like, you? how mm-hmm. dare? Uh and you know, also I think as native New Yorkers who grew up here in the eighties and nineties and then see mm-hmm. everyone coming in, it's sort of like it's like a consumerism of this place that you love and it's also no longer as affordable and like many of the things that were so vibrant from your childhood just aren't there anymore because it's too fucking expensive so i really appreciate this this question uh and you know i think that um that sort of consumerism of urban spaces by you know i'm white and by a lot of white folk who come in with college educations and take upper middle class jobs and gentrify neighborhoods and I think we have to be self aware that that's often what we're doing listen and, be, um, having to reconcile being an indigenous gentrifier is some weird shit it's weird as fuck and then also the flip side of that is as queer people we've mm-hmm. always come to places like New York and San Francisco because often where we're from is literally deadly to us right mm-hmm, yeah. so it's kind of there's all of and these and it's not te- that the city ain't deadly either yeah. but it's yeah, less true. deadly yeah. well, and you yeah. can find family that yeah. you want to die with in the city, right? <laughs> Whereas back home, that is a very Joe O. Take the us there. You just die. So I, I, I love thinking through things like this question, questions of geography and identity, and mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just think that if you hold all of those things uh, and you hold your love and your derision uh, and you hold your your power and the ways in which you're un- disempowered all at the same time mm-hmm. in a really faggoty queer way, then it's mm-hmm. that's how you love mm-hmm. the place. Yeah, I don't know how to conceive of my relationship with New York without always considering and living in the fact that I'm a transplant because I didn't grow up here and I don't know how to think of it in any other way. But as a kid, my oldest sister, like her, she like desperately wanted to live in New York City. And so I remember that my parents would talk about how like before I was born when they lived in New Jersey and they would drive down to South Carolina they would make sure to drive her through New York City and wake her up just so that she could see it because Mm. she was so deeply obsessed with it Mm -hmm. and when she finished college she did in fact move to New York City and she lived there for 10 years and part of that meant that I got to spend a lot of time in New York um, City as a child as well like like just going to shows like doing all the touristy stuff just like having a blast which meant that when I finished my schooling I was not particularly interested in moving here but then um, 
I did. I just sort of ended up here. And the thing that that I always think about the most is that um, I was just so, so terrified to move to New York City with the cost of living, with everything about it. Like, I wasn't even used to taking public transportation because that was there wasn't a whole lot of that where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so everything about, like, living there was, like, a, a learning process and a growing up for me that I, like, didn't know if I could do and didn't know if I could hack. And so for me, um, my the way that I think about New York as a character mm-hmm. is simply the fact that it forced me to grow up in a lot of ways that I didn't mm. that I didn't know that I could. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. my first year in New York, I, I I thought to myself, I understand how on sitcoms and even with my sister, with how she would talk about it when she lived here, it was like it was a character. It was like it was a person and you were in a relationship with New York. And mm-hmm. after a year, I was like, I understand that. And yeah. I'm in this relationship right I now. I didn't know that about you. I also like visited my sister in New York. I went in fifth grade. And when I came back, I want that's the only place I wanted to live. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. Imprints yeah. on you. Mm-hmm. It does. Last up, this lovely question. I am in... <laughs> I'm in a monogamous relationship of two years, but I feel like other queer individuals criticize monogamy. How do I feel okay with heteronormative frameworks in my queer relationship? I mean, why? Break up with him. (laughs) Well, why do you have to reckon with this question? It's ridiculous. It's absolutely like a not your, I'm not blaming you question asker. I'm blaming like the, the system of queerness that we have built maybe Mm -hmm. out of, uh, a need for progression and like wanting to like nuance conversations about polyamory and like being in open relationships. Yeah. But um, straight people don't have to reckon with that yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also like having to like, if, if, if polyamory and the discussions about polyamory are a way in which to get out of like having people judge you for the way that you comport your life and your sexuality, then why would you judge other people for doing different things? Right. It's, right. But it's like, it's, so, I mean, I think this question actually does come from San Francisco. Uh, and I was in San Francisco. I have a couple of fuck buddies in San Francisco, but I'm in a mostly monogamous relationship now. And I wasn't fucking in San Francisco. And whenever I would tell someone like, oh, like I can't have sex even though it's a fuck buddy because I have a boyfriend, they would be, they would be like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, it just, they're so confused. It like doesn't, it's like the cultural norm in certain places has shifted f- so far. And there are people, I think it was one of the, the Smith children or maybe, uh, said uh, Jaden or um, oh, or oh, Willow. Oh, Willow. Willow Willow or Jaden I think they said something like oh only someone who is sort of colonized by capitalism would be in a monogamous relationship mm-hmm. or someone who wants to colonize their partner would be in a monogamous relationship and so there is this sense that like it is the evolved thing to be poly or open right but what works for you right. works for exactly. you exactly yeah. just right? as long as you're thinking openly yeah. yeah and if like the but, but like uh Assuming that there's one path to evolution is in and of itself a yep. kind of co- colonialism. It is. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like Absolutely. different people live different lives. I mean, what one of the one of the things I loved about listening to um, my my grandmother talk about how, in her mind anyway, that um, uh, sort of pre-colonial indigenous people talk to each other about their religions, where they'd be like, "I believe this thing," and they'd be like, "So what do you believe?" Right. You know, yeah. and it's like we can believe differently, and nobody is forsaken. Yeah, 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 yeah. My yeah. favorite thing. <laughs> I I have I have at times I, I relate to this question though I have at times been accused of employing heterosexual frameworks in my relationships because in the past like I, I used to be very committed to monogamy um, and then oftentimes there was a bit of a mask and a femme sort of dynamic duality dynamic to my relationships and. It's interesting because I have sort of evolved beyond that in different ways, but it's just because I've been around more and I've experienced more. And so I understand 
I feel like why in our community sometimes we think of it as being that way. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the fact that like as long as you're communicating with your partners and you guys are doing what you right. par- or partner, you're doing what you want to do the way you want to do it. Like, and that's like uh, that's that's um, assuming that monogamy means ownership. Also that also that and it does not. Um, yeah. 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 Free, feel free to free yourself from the questions that you have that straight people don't have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. This message comes from iHeartRadio sponsor, Mercury Insurance. If you're looking to save some money, you should really think about getting a quote from Mercury because Californians save an average of $677 with Mercury. It's quick and easy, and in just a few minutes, you might find you could save a lot of money on your auto and home insurance. Plus, Mercury was named one of America's best insurance companies by Insure.com four years in a row. Low rates, big discounts, great insurance. Go to mercuryinsurance.com today to get a quote. Mm, it's time we got to the meat of our discussion. The thought process spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And to sling that baby our meat... All right, you guys. So today we're talking about what often feels like our very own personal elephant in the boardroom and sometimes the classroom. And sometimes the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Real talk. That is imposter syndrome. This very real psychological phenomenon was first coined in 1978 by psychologists Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes. I'm going to give us a working definition just so that we... Love the origin story. Have some clear... Thank you. Have some clear um, context for what we're dealing with here. Imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. Wow. Imposters suffer from chronic self-doubt and a sense of intellectual fraudulence that override any feelings of success or external proof of their competence. I don't know what this is like. Never. They seem unable to internalize their accomplishments, however successful they are in their field. High-achieving, highly successful people often suffer. So imposter syndrome doesn't equate with low self-esteem or a lack of self-confidence. In fact, some researchers have linked it with perfectionism, especially in women and among academics. So, while this was initially framed as something largely unique to women, we know that imposter syndrome affects folks across identity lines. Women and men, old and young, black and white, cis and trans, and at all of the intersections where these identities and other identities meet. This is our moment as your dearest darlingest tater thoughts to come out to you now. Mm. As people who know how imposter syndrome feels, each of us at this table has spoken about ways in which we've failed to silence the voices that tell us we ain't shit, never was shit, never gonna be shit. <laughs> right. I mean, I can't relate to that because I, I've never had imposter syndrome. <laughs> never. <so. laughs> never. Forget. And research confirms that marginalized folks like us often feel imposter syndrome in the sharpest ways, even when on paper we are the most qualified. So... How do we cope with imposter syndrome? We'll get to that. We're going to have some tips at the end of this conversation. But to start with, my hottest of thoughties, mm. tell me of a time when you felt like you were an imposter. Anytime. Oh, okay. I'm about to tell on myself. I did not expect to do it this way, but because I recently somebody oh, told shit, me that oh, they shit, had a crush oh, on me and I was like, I had to fight that instinct where I was like, you're a fucking dumbass. Yeah. Why wow. would you have a crush on somebody like this yeah. when you look like that? You know what I mean? Like, I respect the person ooh. less because they're attracted <laughs> to <Yes>! me. <laughs> I definitely like, Truly can relate. The only thing, the only way in which I know that I have evolved somewhat is because I did not immediately call that person a dumbass. I was just like, 
Thank you. <laughs> I feel the same way. Um, and so what I've tried to do as an adult and as a person uh, in my mid-30s is to not... Cause they're, they're, I always felt like when I was younger, the, what I was trying to do was to deny that the postrum, imposter sy- syndrome existed. Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do is not to deny it because denying it doesn't make it go away. Right. But right. figure out a way in which I'm not denying that it's there, but also not giving it more air to burn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. Fran? So, so the was the crush. That's the one. The crush is the yes. one. Yes. I mean, I feel like my entire career has just been like me faking it till I make it. You know what I mean? Like there's so much about like, I think that's kind of the the caveat to all of this is like, or rather not a caveat. What I should say is I think the thing to think about when you feel feelings of imposter syndrome is to immediately think about like, what are you using to measure yourself with? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when you think like, oh, I'm like unqualified for this job. You're like, you're going for, you're going for a job that has like too many things. And you're like, I actually don't have that experience, that experience, that experience. Job descriptions are written to discount you you know they're they're written they're, they never expect you to have all of those qualifications yeah. you go for the jobs that you can't get yeah. that's like what everyone does so like why shouldn't you mm-hmm. i have a so funny true. story about that uh which is that i applied for a job in grad school teaching an adjunct course at the new school um and it was more I, you know i'm a hard scientist this was a little bit more public healthy and i had done a lot of that in college but it was certainly not what my phd is in. and i applied for the job anyway uh and i was in an interview with a biologist and an economist and the economist showed her disdain for me in everything she said but the biologist fucking loved me and i didn't get that job which is you know i was fully not qualified for but the biologist came to me a couple months later and was like you are awesome and if you want to design a course for our curriculum you can come here and teach it right so i didn't get the opportunity that i was trying for but trying my hardest and working mm, hard somebody noticed it yes, yes for absolutely. a different opportunity yes. so what you experienced was reverse imposter syndrome where <laughs> wherein you were uh, not you, qualified you felt you were overqualified for a job you I were am, deeply unqualified for i am white no i felt <laughs> i um i felt I'm just kidding, deeply unqualified for the job but i decided to try anyway and mm-hmm. i I think that connects to the first time I recognized imposter syndrome in myself, which is when I went to therapy in college to deal with insomnia and test anxiety. Mm. Uh, and I, this, this is both a cultural narrative in my family. And I think how we, uh, culturally think about poverty that we are associating like uh poverty with not being intelligent and then in my family my family has this narrative that like we're not smart we just work hard and so like anything that we achieve wow is not wow same yeah, is not yeah, but because we're intelligent it's just because we we just try and try and yeah, don't yeah, yeah, yeah. give up well. uh and and so in college i was really really struggling and i went to the therapist and the therapist took a look at my transcript and he was like so you're a high achiever and i was like no 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 no, no. i just work really really hard Mm. And he was like, okay, so I deal with a lot of students. And what you have to understand is that the types of grades that you've been getting consistently in college, I can tell you right here and right now, you are a high achiever. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I didn't, I didn't see it. And then what I worked on in therapy in college was understanding that my anxiety around imposter syndrome was fueling how hard Mm -hmm. I did work Mm -hmm. in order to get those kinds of grades. There's this quote in Little Women, not the movie, but in the book, when Amy says, I don't pretend to be wise, but I am observant. Mm. And I feel like that's the way I I was like, I'm not smart. I'm just here. 
Yeah, I'm I'm just pay attention. Smart. My just, eyes are open. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. funny. I mean, it's honestly very distinctive. Not a lot of people are observant. So my sort of imposter syndrome story. I'm gonna take you back to a figure skating moment. Um, mm. when I yes. was oh, 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 you would never do shocking that. Our show does was... not have enough figure skating content. Dennis, <laughs> um, give us more. Truly, yeah. it doesn't. Okay, so like, like I've mentioned this before, but I started figure skating when I was 14, which is extremely late for the sport. And right. so because I progressed really quickly it meant that like as i started doing competitions and things i would be competing against like eight and nine year olds and i was which was literally it was because because the way that the sport is divided up when you're under 18 it's just divided by your level not your age so i would be doing these co- yes i would go into competitions so when you these- would, when you were telling us earlier about all the gold medals you won in figure skating <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it was against, against eight year olds <laughs> No, no, that was a different circumstance. Well, I progressed quickly, so that is a wonderful thing. But this is that. But here's the point of this story. Um, so before my very first competition, um, I just for religious school reasons, I had to do a training session at this rink in Cleveland called Winterhurst Skating Rink. Skating rink, which is a legendary rink. There's a the woman who won the Olympics in 1960 is like the head coach there. There are a number of Olympians um, who trained there. Like people that I watched on TV were on that ice session with me and were coaching by the boards with me, right? And I had never skated at that rink before. Like I, I had never seen these people in real life. I was already in a height, like an extremely nervous state because I was going to my first competition. And on top of that, I was on the ice with all of these people. And so I get out on the ice and I'm like going through my like skills with my coach and I'm just like falling everywhere on all these things that like I know how to do in my sleep and it was just because I was completely Psyched freaked yourself out, out. Yeah. I, I completely was like what am I doing here what am I doing in this sport I'm such an imposter that like like literally just what am I doing here and so then your mind was creating a situation in yes. your body Lit- my mind was literally mm. controlling this and this is what we talk about when people talk about sport like certain kinds of sports being like hugely hugely mental like that's what i was dealing with like things Layla that Ali i never talked about that about. all the time with boxing yeah. she was like the yeah. only reason why i'm undefeated it was she was like well, you, you, the thing is like when you get to that professional when you get to that level everyone mm-hmm. has spent the same amount of hours in the ring that you have yeah so what you have to do is you have to psych them out because that's the only way you're going to beat that person right, 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 it's right. it's so true so i just remember like i think halfway through my routine like my coach like stopped the music and he just called me over to the boards and he got me right together and he was like he was like he was like you look terrified i can Mm. see it on your face there's three olympic medals over there and so i get it but like you need to calm down you literally deserve to be here you've paid to be here and by the way the progress you've made in the last eight months since you started skating is better than any of those people ever could have even imagined. So like get it together, do your shit and know that when you come back here in a year, you're going to be probably three times as good as you are now. Get self-confidence, stupid. Got me. And he he also was kind of like rough, but like it, but like I really needed it and it completely, everything changed after that. And then I went to the competition and won against, I think a 10 year old. (laughs) Yes, yes, But you know what? That 10 year old dress for shit. That 10-year-old had been skating for five years, and I had been skating for less than one. So, mm. like, your age doesn't make a huge difference. The point is, I deeply felt imposter syndrome, and I rec- and my coach recognized it, and from there I was like, oh, at other moments in my life, I was like, this this is what that was. Mm. Y'all were around when I got my first film commission, and, mm-hmm. like, before that, I had only ever
ever written poems. And when I was in those rooms with those people and I was negotiating those contracts, I had to act like I knew what I was doing yeah. mm-hmm. because I was not going to get underpaid for my labor. And I was also going to get the job. Like, mm-hmm. and then once I got it, I remember like for a full week, I was just paralyzed. Cause yeah. I was like, I, I don't, it wasn't even imposter syndrome. It was just like, I actually literally don't know how to do this thing. Yeah. Right. But the thing that I had to remember and that we all have to remember is that <clears throat> when you are a person who uh, spends a lot of time on things, has a lot of, puts a lot of thought into what it is that they're doing, commits to it, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. That like when you're when, when in other situations, when you have risen to the top, in, from any way, shape, like it's like that resolve can carry you forward uh-huh. if you have faith in it. It doesn't mean that you yeah. have faith in the the uh, uh, the the first draft. Right. You mean, mm-hmm. but that the eventual prod. Mm-hmm. If you believe in your own ability to progress and get better, mm-hmm. yeah. then you just have to start. Tell me, what role did mentorship play for you in that moment? Well, I. Uh, hmm. I had like other, I had like, you know, poetry mentors. I had yeah. writing mentors. I had like Pamela Sneed. I had Alexander T. I had people like that. Had, yeah. Who had other times had like, had given me poetry advice, then gave me advice moving on. Alexander T. was one of the ones who was like, watch a movie um, without the sound and mm. see if you can mm. get what the plot is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Pamela Sneed was one of those people who was like, and again, didn't really come from film, but she was also an actress. And she right. was like, read the script, watch the movie, read the script. Right, See right, how they right, translate right. each yep. other, uh-huh. you know? And then, like, the infrastructure of the commission that I had gotten, they, they, you know, they didn't know how to tell me how to write a script, but they did give me meetings with screenwriters, okay. you know, who would tell me, you know, interventions that they had had, books that they had read. Right. So it was like consulting a community of people okay. who knew or who had insight into this particular type of writing. Yep, yep, yep. Something that you're getting at as well, Tommy, is that, like, when a queer marginalized person, like, feels like they're unqualified for something mm-hmm. more often than not systemic racism has made it mm-hmm. as such yeah, because yeah, systemic yeah. racism yes. makes sure that people at the C-suite, lo- C-suite level people who are your bosses people who have more power than you in constructs of any sort of job or company have more often than not been elevated there because people mm-hmm. pre- uh think whiteness is better and people think men are better and so like white guys are the bosses of everything and they have more educational opportunity to begin with they come from wealth and access and they're rewarded with much less effort more often yep. than not and so you have to tell yourself that you uh, it is okay for you to jump a couple ra- to to jump a couple rungs or to circumvent certain systems of power to um take a shortcut or to honestly fake it and right. try and get yes. a job but like the- you are you are working against so much adverse you are working against you ha- it's the cliche you have to work twice as hard to get half as much and the thing yeah. is like living in new york and being in new york I understood that. And mm-hmm. like I had people who reinforced that, who had to make had to build themselves up and something. Yeah. Being Los being in Los Angeles, which is a company town, which is like most people here are in the entertainment industry in right, some way, shape, right. or form. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people who had gone to film school, people who had been doing this for a while, people who were assistants at to writers and such and such, they came up in a kind of system. Their mom was an actress. Yes. You know. That that th- that there's like some kind of legacy to their profession. And they're like, Oh, where did you go to school? Where did you and I'm like, uh, I actually just got my 
commission from writing a book of poetry. And immediately there is like, um, n- yeah. I don't know if there's like a rancor there, a but there is like maybe? a resentment mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. a, you didn't come up yeah, in the yeah, way yeah, that yeah, other yeah. people came up. And it's another layer of imposter syndrome where yeah. I'm like, yeah, wait is. a minute, maybe I did do it the right way. Like, but the oh thing God, is, do I deserve this? But it, like, I've been up for some, some things recently that I did not get and I felt bad about them. But then like, I looked at who got those opportunities. Some, some mm-hmm. of them were development opportunities. And we, I was applying with the first screenplay I'd ever written in my entire life. Which and is some crazy. Of these, and some of these people, it was their fourth feature. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they had web series. They had other things behind them. And I was like, I'm actually doing pretty well for myself. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have a question. So we've talked a lot about, you know, we've sort of defined imposter syndrome and then talked about some experiences of it. Why, what are the negative consequences of it? Like if you don't deal with it, if you don't name it, if you don't move on from it, how, what can it do to you? What can it, can it bring you? It's pathology. Okay. Yeah. That it like, I think um, it can continually make you uh, um, inter- like interrogative in a bad way um, of mm. whatever, anything you ever do. So uh-huh. you're the first yep. person, because it's like, you're anticipating somebody else taking you down, so you take yourself down. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I think also it makes you suspicious of anytime other people get opportunities. Absolutely. It makes you like competitive and jealous in ways yeah. that like do not, um, uh, that aren't warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, are you ever satisfied? Right. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to be satisfied by what it is that you do at some, in some way, shape or form? I will not say a Hamilton lyric right now. <laughs> Stop oh it. My God. And all of that, like about whether it's in regards to satisfaction or imposter syndrome is entwined, is entwined with anxiety mm-hmm. and yeah. the ways yeah, that yeah, queer yeah. marginalized people like just have no choice, but yeah. to feel anxious. Yeah. Right. It is just like intrinsic in our being. And you know, the, the cliche Elizabeth Gilbert like story is that like, you know, the managing anxiety, managing those kind of like inner voices that tell you that you're not good enough is not a matter of like one day you just won't feel those things. Yeah. You're always yeah. going to feel those yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. It's that um, instead of anxiety driving the car, they'll be sitting in the backseat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. Or in the trunk. Or maybe it'll be the tie to the room. Like, yeah, who knows, know. you know? Okay, yeah, that, like, yeah. that once you get a little bit of added context, it's like, um, it, it, like in the best way that anxiety, and when you can therapize it, is like sometimes, like, it's like the fist in front of your face. Yeah. Right? But then, like, it's always a fist and it's always in front of your face, but sometimes it backs up a little backs bit. Up. Right? You get more context. For I it. also, for me, I mean, one of the things I think about a lot, imposter syndrome doesn't get in the way of achievement. Right. It can actually drive achievement because it makes you work crazy hard. Like what it gets in the way of of you is of you being a whole person with work life boundaries. Mm, And I just have a beautiful way of putting it. I I have to do this with uh, for for the bingo. Are you about to talk about David Foster Wallace? (laughs) (laughs) To quote uh, David Foster Wallace. No, you're kidding me. Worship power and you will feel weak and afraid and you will need ever more power to numb your own fear. Worship your intellect being seen as smart and you will end up feeling feeling stupid, a fraud on the verge of always being found out. But the insidious thing about these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful. It's that they're unconscious. They're the default settings, right? So if you just like power along the path of imposter syndrome, you might do that book. You might write that movie. You might, you know, be the fucking boss of a thing and have a lot of money, but you will always be trying to fill that void because you're never on a solid foundation. Do y'all worship your power or worship your intellect? Oh. Intellect. I know that for you. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would say, I would use the word talent more than intellect. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. would say, 
why that makes so much sense and so much of why I love you, Dennis. Um, I would say, uh, for me, it's work ethic. Mm, yeah. But that yeah. also, Tommy, it can yeah. be unhealthy because you only work then. Yes. You well, are unhealthy else- to worship anything. Yeah. 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 Well, let's accept <laughs> cock. <laughs> Do you like how it just shut down your therapy moment? You're yeah. like, but Tommy, it was like, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy. Oh my God. Tommy. I can't, like, the thing is, like, I can't help it because, like, um, I have proven, like, to myself and to my family and to where I came from mm-hmm. yeah. that I was able to get out of my circumstances by working really hard. Right. But it, sometimes, you know, so. The, the 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 um the defense mechanisms and the things that you put in place when you're a child or when you're younger when in, in your formative years when you're in your adolescence like they don't always work forever so it's right. like how do you train yourself for new uh opportunities yeah. for new areas of your life for new paradigms of your life like how do you discard the things that you don't need anymore Right. Like the vestigial uh, things that kept you alive because right. you literally needed them to keep you alive. And and now you're alive and thriving and doing something else. Like yeah. now, now do you learn new things? Right. Well, and it's almost like you feel like if you give up those things, you'll die. Yeah. yeah because yeah. at some point that would have been true. It's not true anymore. But like you're so stuck in that that notion uh, that you hold on to those ab- patterns of self-abuse almost. Because, because I feel like uh, and, and I guess like this is. Huh, because I, I, I'm guilty of extreme thinking. If I don't tell myself I suck, I'm telling myself I'm better than everyone else. And I don't want to mm-hmm. do either one, you know? But I can't help but feel like if I'm not telling myself, I mean, you're a lousy, dumb dragon bitch. Right. Then I'm going to be like... A narcissist, right? right you know, right. <laughs> well, and one one is one is often like the coping me- mechanism or the antidote for the other, so it's like hard to give them both up. But this is all really interesting because in some of my research for the impos- for about into what imposter syndrome really was, um, they outlined some sort of personality types oh, no. that 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 tend to fall victim to imposter syndrome, oh, and, that, no. and that and I was interested. I was curious to think about the different ways in which we fit into some of these. So I'm just gonna like read one for each of you and tell me if you <laughs> think that's accurate or not because I'm super curious. So okay, love. So we're gonna start with Fran. Oh no. Uh oh. Um. Superman or superwomen push themselves to work harder than those around them to prove that they're not imposters. They feel the need to succeed in all aspects of life, at work, as parents, as partners, and may feel stressed when they're not accomplishing something. Oh, that last line. I'm a cheap machine. shit's a cheap man. Vacations stress me out. If I'm like sitting on a beach and doing nothing, I'm like, <laughs> I am a rotting sack of human flesh. Oh, yeah. And yet you don't your your lung isn't collapsing. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're doing but, great, baby. But, you are but, doing but great. But do you know that when I my lung collapsed for the first time, I wrote my first novel. <laughs> sitting what? in the hospital wow. that I finished my first novel. Uh, that is like slightly scary to me. It, no, but I was, I was, well, I was in the hospital for like eight days and I was like, might as well make use of my time. I that mean, novel I guess... will never be read by anybody ever. <laughs> I mean, it's I guess what else are you going to do? Hex into com- Fran's computer. <laughs> yes. Send, send to the food for thought group chat. I am, I am a fully Let's going to send it to agents as Fern Tornado. Fern Tornado. Oh my God. I mean, the writing is bad. The bones of the book are good. The bones of the book. <laughs> it could be a good book. I just it, don't have time to rewrite it. 
I honestly maybe we can turn be. it into a screenplay. <laughs> That's a thing. It's, you are out into the town. budget would be too crazy. It's like a seafaring adventure novel. <laughs> It's, well, a queer, it's a queer coming I, of age yeah. adventure wait, it's novel. It's like get my first couple Didn't of things made, and then I we read can... part of this. No, at Oh no, no, no! That was like the adaptation of it. Ah, oh my god. Okay, so Tommy, tell me what you think about this. Okay, perfectionists set extremely high expectations for themselves, and even if they meet ninety nine percent of their goals, they're going to feel like failures. Any small mistake will make them question their own confidence. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what do you think? Accurate? Not accurate. Tommy is Pretty astral. Teams. Tommy is no longer Tommy's in the room. Fully astral. I've gone to the other plane. <laughs> uh, yeah, anytime I uh, people, uh, if I overlook something, I just feel like it's a house of cards. Like, why did I even mm-hmm. do anything if like one thread is out of? Is like it's like when I leave the house and like I have one cat hair on me, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna go back inside <laughs> and never leave again. I don't deserve to be loved. Like, there's just there's <laughs> always one thing. The thing is, like, I work. I feel like I work so hard to build up like one like wispy like modicum of self-confidence that can be blown over so quickly by fucking Joe's farts. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Fair. But then, but but like, I don't know. I haven't figured out how to, but I am, you know, talking about it with Dr. John, but I haven't figured out how to like um, let go of the perfectionism because mm-hmm. in a way I feel like it keeps me animated. Mm-hmm. You know, I yes. feel like it keeps right. me alive. I feel like if I was not... But it's not over everything. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I've learned how to let go of it in certain degrees. Like with mm-hmm. writing, you know, it's not going to be perfect. What I try to do is write as much as I can and release as much as I can. So I'm, yes. not, be- I'm not beholden to the last thing that I did. Right. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, I'm like way more of a productionist than a perfectionist. Yes. Mm. I love that. Fully and accurate. So I've done, I feel like I've successfully conquered that like in my writing. But it's more of the social love like body thing where it's like mm-hmm. that acts differently that I'm continually coming up against this Ooh. notion. Well, I feel like Ho already exposed himself as also the Superman or Superwoman one. Um, when Ho was talking about college and like working so intensely and just being like, we're not smart. We work, we just work really hard. Yeah. Um, which well, is amazing. About achievement. That's not, no, it's not necessarily about achievement. No. It's just about the drive for yeah. you. I feel like, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and for me, so I actually felt like there were two that I that that really sort of like spoke to me, and the first was soloists, where <laughs> they feel they have to accomplish tasks on their own, and if they need to ask for help, they think that means they are a failure or a fraud. It's a huge challenge for me to ask for help, even when I clearly know that I need it. It's like the biggest thing. <laughs> Finish your novel, Dennis. It's the biggest thing. Um, and then the other one is when the natural genius has to struggle or work hard to accomplish something. He or she thinks this means they aren't good enough. Uh-huh. They are used to skills coming easily, and when they have to put in effort, their brain tells them that's proof. That that they are an imposter. So the point for me of going through these is just to also say for all of you out there, if you ever have any trouble, if you, if you recognize any of these traits within yourself, they might be ways in which imposter syndrome can latch onto you and, and start like affecting your life in certain ways. I have a question maybe to close. Okay. Do you all feel imposter syndrome in your sex lives? Um, now, as I've said before in the show, my sex life is sleeping and I'm very good at it <laughs> and I have no imposter syndrome without sleeping. Thank you. Very much. Uh, <laughs> not anymore. Really? Yeah. No. Dennis? Um, I didn't really have imposter syndrome about my sex life until we started making this podcast. Oh. 
because right, then I was like, oh, oh, I don't have enough sex. Like, well, one, I was like, oh, I don't have enough sex and hadn't had enough sex. And two, I was just like, I feel like if I'm bad at sex, then it's like bad for the brand. Oh! So, <laughs> so like the it person is bad for the brand. So the brand director, the person that I'm seeing right now, the first time that I blew them, um, they were like, wow, you are really good at that. And I was like, thank, I was like, oh, thank God. If I were you, five stars. I want Dennis's pussy to be a place I could check into on Yelp. <laughs> oh my God. We, we are working on the app as of oh, right now. Dennis's pussy, the app. No. <laughs> the place where everyone wants to be. I mean, I, I may, maybe it's just my anxiety. I still to this day feel a huge amount of uh, imposter syndrome. About what in particular? Topping. Okay. Mm. Uh, being when I was younger, it was coming too soon, and now it's being hard enough. About bottoming, am I going to be clean? About like if you know, and we've talked about this before on the show that like the skills you have for person A don't translate to person B. But I think that's mm. one of the funnest things about sex. I, I agree, but like, what a fucking nightmare! You know what I mean? I like mean, this think... person. There are people out there who think I'm trash at sex because like we were just a bad match. Oh mm. my god, I've had somebody tell me I was bad at making out, and I was like, "You're the bad <laughs> one. What are you talking about? Like, I'm great." <laughs> I what? I one time had a guy named Dennis tell me that the blowjob I was giving him was too wet, and I thought, "What?" Oh. That's God, insane. there's so many things about that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, do yeah, not yeah. have the yeah. time to unpack. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's important to realize that, like, I don't know. I think um, I don't know about all types of imposter syndrome, yeah. but like the the sex one, I think like when it's like too self uh, referential, am I clean enough? Am I doing this right? Yeah. Like da 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 da. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be with somebody who is going to tell you that you're not clean enough or you're not doing yeah, it right, yeah. why the fuck are you fucking that person? Yeah, yeah, so second of all, that like it's a language like any other kind. Yep. And I think it's as important to to, to do and yep. like say as it is to listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you're like receptive and active there are, yes, there are ways in which you can find ways of talking to each other with your motherfucker it's a body language mm. but it's also a verbal one too so you can say i want this i don't want this i like this mm-hmm. i don't like yeah, this yeah, yeah, that's a little and, but then they can but then there's also like somebody can say something to you and you not internalize it yeah, yeah you know yeah. um i love it when somebody tells me what to do you know and i love it when somebody thing. tells me what they like mm-hmm. you know because then sometimes you're just like i don't know I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. When somebody tells me that they never came from a blowjob before. Yeah, right. Because I'm just like, mm. let Ach- me show Achievement you. unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like some people, you know, they don't want too much action on the head. Some people right. need there to be head and shaft. Some people yeah. need mm. a little bit of the ball. Some people mm-hmm. need a finger in the butt. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, yeah. but figuring out sometimes what that is. It's like, I mean, this is why I love, like, you know, like, uh, I love cats. I'm a cat person. And it's like, cats, not every cat wants to be pet in the same way. That's so true. You know what I mean? And so it's like, you got to learn, like, where they like to, where they like to be touched. Like, and and like, you have to also, like, when they start to, they give you signs that they don't like it. So you stop doing it and you have a different approach. Tommy. I've never come from a blowjob before. Okay. Oh my First of all, stop lying. That is assault. We gotta go. We gotta go. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Mm. You know, I'm kind of full, but I feel like I could fit one more thing inside of me. Dennis knows how I feel. Ooh, 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 ooh. And this week, what is dessert? 
I got it, guys. Okay, so this week's dessert is a little show called Work in Progress. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It so is cute. a new show on Showtime, and me, a Netflix employee, am endorsing a show <laughs> on another network because this show is so good. Yeah. Also, I'm a human being, and I just like good TV. So this show was created by Abby McEnany and uh, is a triumph in queer storytelling um, because it is about this woman who is, I mean, she is a self-described like fat dyke who has is dealing with a lot of OCD, is honestly a highly dysfunctional person. Um, and in the first, this is not a spoiler, it happens in the trailer in the first like minute of the show, she's sitting in a session with her therapist <laughs> and she's talking and talking and talking. She says, and she fi- and she's having a bit of a breakthrough and she finally says to the therapist, I can't do this anymore. If like, I'm not happy by like day 180 of this, like I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> and then she looks at her therapist and she realizes her therapist is not moving and her therapist has died <laughs> in session with her. And she like kicks her with her foot and she's like still like, and her eyes are wide open. It's <laughs> and so the show unravels from there under the, under the, the precedent that she's maybe going to kill herself. Unless her life gets better. And she has definitely killed somebody. Yeah. (laughs) And so there's this kind of like dark humor that permeates the thing. And and to me, that is like the the premise of the of the show is actually so cathartic because wanting to kill yourself kill yourself is something that most queer people have felt. But for the show to add this kind of like bizarre levity and to bring joy and and poke fun and elbow you, but also make you examine what that feels like mm. is so beautiful. Yeah. So the the things that follow are she meets this trans guy as played by Theo Germain, who oh is my such hello. a fucking heart Oh, oh my sexy. God. Um, mm. And they kind of start to date and fall in love. And um, the Theo Germain is like the characters is much younger than yep, her. Yep, yep, yep. And so that age dynamic plays into the whole thing too. And there's just like queer sex and there's like age dynamics and there's mental health stuff. And like, it's just fun and funny and like great portraits of queer characters. And it's written, directed and produced and starring like a woman who is queer mm-hmm. and wants to tell stories about queer women. And it's yeah. like, I love, yeah. first of all, that like this got the green light and this got made. Cause like you, when you mm-hmm. live in this town and you see how many projects never make it off the ground mm-hmm. that for something that promising mm-hmm. yeah. to be realized yeah. right. is so yeah. encouraging. And exactly. it's just to be realized mm-hmm. so well, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's just like, it's so funny. I, the, the moment, you know, I grew up uh, with my, my family. One of the first interactions I had with non-binaryness was the character Pat from Saturday Night Live. Mm. My family made fun of that sketch so to, much to no end right in and so that, did everybody i mean that's a that was, was what huge. it was there for it, it was, was there a movie. to be lampooned a, it was a be punchline it was a movie it was a and it'd be like you know there was like a, t- a joke being like because <laughs> everyone the, the premise of that sketch on saturday yeah. night live in the movie was like is it a man or is it a woman and right. everyone's asking questions yes, to figure like, it out you know pat is that a banana in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? And it'd be like, actually, it's a banana. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. It was like a series of yeah. those punchlines, but predicated on it. It's... And the show has a mm. bunch of funny ways of unpacking that sketch and like what happens thereafter. But like, all I have to say is that I feel like there's kind of a dearth of like queer trans content like yeah. right yes. now, at least in yeah. this like kind of season of TV. And I think that there are a lot of people that maybe watch the L word and didn't want it to be what it was, even though it's also a great show. Yeah. Like just devour it you yeah. will love this and when julia sweeney comes on 
who played Pat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and the main it's character, like, the fully saints. And, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I think the show does that's super interesting is in the world of TERFs, where it, we what? really are seeing, like, mm-hmm. lesbian women and trans folk be placed in opposition. Mm-hmm. Here you have a show that places them in conversation and allows mm-hmm. them, uh, allows a self-avowed butch lesbian to have sex with a trans man and mm-hmm. it's it's just the story yes. you know it, it doesn't have to be this turfy horrible nonsense someone can describe themselves as a butch lesbian and not be horrible and theo's, to trans women and theo's and char- oh sorry and theo's character and abby's character are like so 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 different yeah. so mm-hmm. it's really fun to watch them and then like you'll be watching the show and you're like oh i'm definitely abby like i'm so dysfunctional like i can't i'm like have terrible mental whatever and then you'll be watching it again and you'll be like wait no i'm theo like i'm complex and i'm i like take charge of situations right. like you kind of vacillate between these two characters who are like fully realized yep. queer beings and it's oh, amazing so good Ooh. i can't wait yeah. oh, and <laughs> if you don't know where to stream if you don't have Showtime, you can get a free trial on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. it, for a week. So you and that is just enough time to binge it. So yes. wait till it all comes out. Get your Amazon Prime Showtime um, subscription and for- binge it. Binge it. Binge it. This episode of Food for Thought is made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and our new home at iHeartRadio. Our producer is being very condescending right now. Alexandra <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so our production manager is truly the queen of Google Docs, Elizabeth D. So true. Our social media manager is currently gazing lovingly at a pic of Jennifer Aniston, Christina Tucker. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Joe throws away his CPAP machine. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I am Tommy Teebs Pico. You can find me at Hey Teebs, H E Y T E B S on all relevant social media. <laughs> I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squish Co on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Venmo, and CoStar. Mm. I'm Dennis, and you can find me on Twitter at The Earl Denden, T H E E A R L D E N D E N. And I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. Find us on Instagram as Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook and Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's main topic. Sign up for our newsletter to see a list of everything we're reading and some extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, send your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick pics to thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that's food, the number four, and thoughts spelled hell. T-H-O-T. Thank you for coming. See you next week. And thank you for coming. Yes. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,